Sunday, May 4th, 6 p.m. reception, 7 p.m. rally, Humanist Hall, 390 27th Street, Oakland. Sponsors, Lynn Stewart Defense Committee, the mobilization to free Mumia Abu-Jamal and KPFA. This event benefits the National Lawyers Guild Legal Defense Fund. And you're listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, also 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover. You're listening to KPFA 94.1 in Berkeley, KPFB. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule Learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light, light. Hi guys, this is Jennifer. Before I start, I just want to put a tag on the last show, a little tag ending. There is a television uh, documentary about Mumia Abu-Jamal, and I'm trying like crazy to remember uh, where I, I think it was one of the cable channels, and it's been on, off and on for a couple weeks. It's called Long Distance Revolutionary, and it's a rather impressive uh, documentary about Mumia Abu-Jamal. I think it's the sort of thing you could certainly recommend to your students. Anyway, this is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is April the 29th, 2014. Another April gone, gone forever, down the tubes. Since April is National Poetry Month, I usually read uh, bits of Emily Dickinson, you know, uh... Ah, ha, ha, ha. In April, we have all this lyric loss and the mutability theme. Nothing lasts. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think, uh, I think it's mostly that existential ache. Uh, all my dead dears. Uh, poets really get off on that stuff. <laughs> anyway, I think, I'll skip it this time. I'll wait. I'll wait till maybe next April or maybe, you know, a couple of weeks in late October. <laughs> That's a pretty cruel month. Be serious. Be serious, I said to myself at 2 a.m. this morning. I was watching uh, the 1970 movie Ryan's Daughter. Yes, I thought... Why not review that old 1970 movie? My God. It's all about Robert Mitchum's failure to satisfy his wife. Got that? Male 
sexual dysfunction. Now, how is that for summer fun? Irish angst. Somebody said once that uh, the Irish, uh, <laughs> the Irish use words to express everything except what they really feel. It's true enough. Uh, never mind. Ryan's Daughter is one of those films that was not appreciated when it first came out. It's been restored, and the cinematography is just to die for. doesn't matter what you think of the story. Uh, somebody said it was eye candy. It's better than that. Uh, the rocks, the rocks, the seascapes, uh, the stones, the soul is in the stone. The Irish Sea, the Wine Dark Sea, back in 1970, beatific. Oh, and the Green Hills. Uh, I don't want to analyze the movie or deconstruct it, because it, it does date from almost half a century ago. But it, uh, it's got the wonders of nature. Not just the sacred stones, but uh, the sky, the skies, uh, the sunset just before somebody decides to commit suicide. Anyway, I put aside all my reviews of TV dramas and, uh, you know, these progressive efforts to, what is that, educate the young, just a little tiny dollop of progressive information Tucked in here and there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I do try to keep track of all the shows, the news shows, that tell us the bad news. Bad news shows, right. Shows like Year of Living Dangerously. Uh, that's the one with Harrison Ford yelling at the minister from Indonesia. Never mind. More about that another day. That's the one where the celebrities, though, go and uh, try to make the the bureaucrats feel guilty all around the world. Oh, Vice. Vice is another one. It's a half-hour weekly show. There have been at least a dozen of them. Uh, those boys are really terrific. Uh, they're what we used to call hands-on reporters. You know, they, they go right into the scene. They go with the North Koreans who are trying to escape from their country. Uh, fascinating stuff. Very exciting. Anyway, HBO is a real gift to America. I think that HBO has the talent and the guts to produce, I guess I call it liberal art. Uh <laughs> as well as hard-hitting journalism. Uh, I think uh, we pretty much give up on the commercial networks. I can't remember the last time I watched one. Um, hmm. No, no, no. It isn't just the commercials. It's that, you know, they're just propaganda for the corporate, uh, the corporate structure. Anyway... You can also check out uh, networks like Showtime and Stars. They're all worth a look. 
you can go through their feature films. There's bound to be at least one you might not have seen or that has some vroom vroom. For me personally, historical dramas are meat and drink. I just love the, uh, oh well, the 15th century, the War of the Roses in England, right? It's the White Queen. You know, it's a revisionist view of Richard III. Love it. And I love the 19th century Badlands of Dakota. That's Deadwood. Ah, Ian McShane. I think he's the sexiest dog on TV. Uh, anyway, I check out fantasies like Game of Thrones and then swing over to uh, a dysfunctional alcoholic Irish family in Chicago. That's shameless. The great William Macy plays the he, the father of the family, you know, passes out anywhere, anytime, any. Any place. I'm totally hooked on uh, these shows. It seems to me that this is the new American theater. I kid you not. This stuff beats our feature films by a mile. Gosh, just think of that. Art on television. Back in the 1950s, some of our kind professors told us that it was possible. It could happen. Who'd have thunk it? Anyway, today I want to tell you about a book in advance. Uh, I'm going to talk about a book that I'm going to have here next Tuesday when the marathon, fundraising marathon, gets started. It's the sort of book that pleads for the survival of the earth, of Gaia. I just spell Gaia, G-I-A, right. Uh, it's the word for the planet, you know, uh, the great, I guess that's a word for great goddess, but anyway, it just means everything. I'll be using this book next week, uh, you know, as the premium. It's always a good idea, uh, to tell you about that in advance. You can get a copy. When you subscribe to KPFA next Tuesday, it's Jane Goodall's uh, new book. The title is Seeds of Hope. Now, we all know that Jane Goodall is the woman who is famous for hanging out uh, with the uh, orangutans. First it was the orangutans, then the chimps. <laughs> you know, orangutans they call the red ape. Uh, Jane Goodall, Seeds of Hope. Now, what's new about this book is that it's all about plants. She says that it's all of a piece, all part of the the whole, Gaia. The book is an awesome study of uh, Earth's basic life form. Let's see, I've got the date here. The trees, for example, the trees, 370 million years ago, the first trees. It's enough to give you chills. Anyway, it's all about the green stuff, the holy of holies. Last night, I made a list of all the writers uh, who fell in love 
with green growing things, especially at the end of their lives. You know, it kind of came to them. <laughs> well, many of them are uh, nature lovers from the start, the Gary Schneiders and the, uh, the naturalists, the poets, but even, even, uh, you know, social critics and urban type sophisticated writers, they, they kind of get it. They understand the processes of life uh, as it is ending for them personally. Uh, they're going back to Gaia. They're going to be recycled. The whole earth and the interdependence of all its life uh, force. You know, I think they call that systems theory. The French novelist George Sand, uh, her last words were uh, about taking care of the land, the gardens. There's one translator who says that uh, she kind of means keep off the grass. <laughs> anyway, who said all flesh is grass? Round and round. From the cave to the grave, from the womb to the tomb, all these circles of living and dying. Plant life is part of all life. Uh, plants are the source of all things. They started this. Well, no, no, you can't. You can't stop going back further and further. But uh, the cliches abound. Uh, you know, uh, the natural world is sacred. Uh, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Now, that's a TV commercial. Uh, back in the day, Earth Day, that's what it was, Earth Day. Back in the 1970s, someone decided we should have an Earth Day. I remember I got a poster of Bette Midler. She's imaged as a great big tree, and the caption reads, Make Mother Earth your Messiah. <laughs> I guess laughter is one of the best forms of uh, enlightenment. Yes, enlightenment is what it's all about. Uh, uh, now, I think that plants, green stuff, is just as exciting as animals, uh, I know that uh, animals have those eyes, you know, the windows of the soul. But <laughs> I always think of Norman Lear's uh, bizarre sitcom, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman was played by Louise Lasser. She's a housewife who goes nuts staring at her uh, linoleum floor. She says there's a... Uh, yellow build-up. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, when she finally cracks, she decides to talk to plants. And uh, I don't know, I've been doing that for years. Sometimes they even answer me. Botany is surprising when you study the ways plants change and evolve and transmute uh, Ah, from the roots to the leaves, the great mystery. Plants find new ways to thrive, to exist, to 
what's the word, uh, reinvent themselves, you know. You think of all those blasted trees. Another piece just pops up, keep growing. I'd love to go over to the redwoods, the muir woods, and look at those giant trees. I love the the places where you see a huge uh, tree stump burned out, you know, and then all the little trees growing up around it, the children. Anyway, Jane Goodall's book, Seeds of Hope, is full of her personal experiences. She inspires readers to see what so many of us pretty much ignore. I, I didn't... Uh, see the world when I was a child. I experienced it. I spent my early childhood in uh, uh, tide pools, especially down in La Jolla. Loved that place. Uh, Down by the cove. Just sit there all day and watch the tide come in and out and pluck out a few crabs and check it out. Uh, I like Jane Goodall's stories about the ancient trees, the aged trees, she got a lot of color photos. And there's not just history, there's uh, living, living trees, ancients, that I had no idea. What's kind of disheartening is that some of the oldest, oldest trees, the locations have to be hidden because people will come and, and uh, ruin them, you know, they have done. I can't imagine why anybody would do that. Once by accident, Jane Goodall describes uh, uh, the destruction of a tree that she loved and that she uh, lived with for many, many years. And one day she looks out and there's a bulldozer. And she went running out and the guy who knocked it down said he was very sorry and he didn't know that it was, uh, you know, a thousand years old. Let's see, where's the very oldest tree? I've got it right here. It's called the Methuselah. Methuselah, it's uh, believed to be the oldest known bristlecone pine. The photo is fascinating. I'm tempted to, tempted to use it for a line drawing. It's just incredible. Uh, you know, it's like a uh, illustration by Arthur Rackham in those Victorian uh, fairy tales. Anyway, this tree, Methuselah, is carbon dated at 4,843 years old. Wow. After the destruction of an even older tree... This Methuselah is believed to be uh, the oldest, yeah, the oldest now, gosh, living, living ancients. Hmm. The oak trees are especially beautiful, once again, line drawings. Uh, I I think of, uh, what is it, again, the, the kind of illustrations not not the Wizard of Oz, but so many fantasy writers use these shapes of these trees, especially those that uh, are kind of hollowed out in the middle. There's one here, Jane Goodall says, that two of her friends were actually married inside the hollow interior 
of this great tree, this living ancient. It's an oak. Always think of the oak tree. Yes, the Magna Carta. King John signed it under the oak tree. Oak trees live, can live, for over 2,000 years. The one in this book is uh, in the Valley of the Wolves, Deer Park in Denmark. <laughs> yes, it is big enough. Big enough for a couple to stand in there and get married. Uh, awesome, awesome. Here's what a little bit of what Jane Goodall says about trees, she says. She writes, I have always loved trees. I remember once when I was about six years old, bursting into tears and frantically hitting an older cousin with my little hands only because he was stamping on a small sapling at the bottom of the garden. He told me he hated trees because they, quote, made wind, unquote. Even at six years, I knew how wrong, wrong he was. Of a footnote here, I always think of the A.A. A. Milne poem about the the motion of the trees. And then the poem goes on to say, it tells us that the wind is passing by. <laughs> but the trees don't make the wind. Uh, the wind moves the trees. I already uh, mentioned the stuff about the uh, the ancient trees. Jane Goodall goes on to talk about her childhood gardens and her beech tree, special beech tree. She persuades her granny, she calls granny Danny because she couldn't say granny. I persuaded Danny to leave my tree, my beech tree, to me. I wrote a last will and testament, making it look as legal as I could. She signed it for me on my 11th birthday. There's a picture of this declaration. It says, this states briefly that Elizabeth Joseph hereby presents Beach, B-E-E-C-H, to uh, Jane Goodall on April the 3rd, 1948. See, when she was 11. Jane Goodall is exactly my age. Fascinating. That's fascinating. Uh, mm -hmm. She goes on to write, I spent hours up that tree, that beech tree, perched in my special place. I had a little basket on the end of a long piece of string that was tied to my branch. I would load it before I climbed and then haul up the contents. I think of Julia Butter. Uh, Butterfly Hill, uh, uh, is it Julia Butterfly Hill, right? You remember she was uh, living for, oh gosh, a couple years up in the tree. There's a uh, a section of this book about uh, Julia Butterfly Hill. Anyway, uh, Jane Goodall says that she put in the basket all these goodies, you know, to take up in the tree. There's a wonderful picture of her way up in the tree. She looks like a monkey. 
she put in a Tarzan book, a saved piece of cake, sometimes homework. She says, I talked to Beach, telling him my secrets. I often placed my hands or my cheek against the slightly rough texture of his bark. <laughs> this tree is a he. I loved the sound of his leaves in summertime, the gentle whispering as the breeze played with them, the joyous abandoned dancing and rustling as the breeze quickened, the wild tossing and swishing sounds for which I have no words when the wind was strong and the branches swayed and I, I was part of it all. Obviously, Jane Goodall is very, very spiritual. I used to have a favorite tree. I think it was a pepper tree. I used to climb up there, usually in my fairy costume from Midsummer Night's Dream. I like to leap down from the tree. Uh, I love to leap down on uh, elementary school boys, the boys in my class. I would uh, attack them, Amazon style. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, she has, Jane Goodall has nice stuff in here about the first months in Gombe. You remember when she went off to take care of the orangutans. And she says that uh, for four months she was with her mother. The authorities would not allow a young woman to be on her own in such a remote area. Then mother had to return to England. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of stuff here about, um, well, about her gender and how she had to accustom people to the notion that a young woman who really didn't have any academic credentials could go and do what she was doing. She obviously is at one with the elements. I've heard Jane Goodall called a secular saint. I have no opinion myself. I just think that uh, it's obvious she's pretty special. She's certainly at home in the world. She goes on to talk about the chimpanzees and the life of uh, the life uh, of the trees and the animals as they interact. What would the animals do if they couldn't run up a tree? Mm -hmm. She says that she had a special bond with some of the young, eager saplings. And uh, she said, they reminded me of myself, and I wished them luck. She talks about how the saplings thrusted toward the canopy. They were determined, she said. They were seeking their share of the good light, the life up there. Aren't we all right? We're all reaching up for enlightenment. You see them struggling in the forest everywhere towards the light. I have to go out and turn my plants around on my balcony because they start reaching out to where the sun is and uh, they grow that way so I turn them around so I get all the foliage you know and the flowers and then the other side of the plant bursts into blooms and things uh, 
Jane Goodall. Her last paragraph here is about the gnarled old fig tree that she loved best in Gombe. She talks about uh, the past that that tree might have had. Indeed. It's a wonderful thing to let the imagination run on this stuff. Uh, 370 million years we have had plants on the earth. Uh, makes you feel a little foolish. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back next Tuesday with Jane Goodall's book, Seeds of Hope. And I hope you will call in and subscribe to KPFA and get a copy of this book about the uh, wisdom and wonder of the world of plants. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Bay Area Girls Rock Camp presents our 6th annual Women's Rock Camp, May 2nd through the 4th. A three-day musical adventure for women ages 19 to infinity. Campers attend instrument lessons, form bands, write songs together, and perform their original song at a live showcase all in one weekend. This is a benefit for Bay Area Girls Rock Camp. You are invited to the Women's Rock Camp Showcase, May 14, 2014, at the New Parish. New Parish is located at 579 18th Street, Oakland, California. Doors open at 2, show is at 3, no one turned away for lack of funds. Call 510-267-1808 or visit Bay Area Girls Rock Camp for more info. You rock. Shout out. You're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, online at kpfa.org.